This is episode 586 of the AWS podcast, released on May 15, 2023. AWS Smart Business Day 2023. Spend half a day with AWS on May 10th, 2023 and take your business to the next level. Hear how customers are using AWS to solve their problems and technical challenges, chat with AWS experts, and explore training and certification opportunities for you and your team. Join this robust virtual experience with each session designed to give you information and resources to help you modernize, optimize, and monetize your business. This virtual experience runs from 9am Pacific Daylight Time till 1pm Pacific Daylight Time, and you can learn more and register for Smart Business Day 2023 using the link in the show notes. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lesh here with you. Great to have you back. I'm joined today by Eric Johnson, who is a principal developer advocate, also known as EJ. G'day, EJ. How are you going? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? I am well. We're going to talk about something pretty interesting for our listeners and something that people may want to attend as well, which is something called the Serverless Innovation Day. But yeah. before we even get to the event, I think it's important that we talk about, you know, what are customers talking about in terms of, of serverless, in terms of architectures, et cetera. Like, you know, I'm sure you didn't wake up in the morning and say, let's run a serverless innovation day. It, it <laughs> probably came from customers asking you, so what are they talking to you about? What, what's coming up over and over again that meant that we want to run this event? You know, it's when I talk to customers, we're out there talking to folks, it's they they're interested in modernizing their applications, right? They, they, they're looking at the landscape and they're saying, you know, we, we've got this legacy app, we still want to run it, but we know there's a better way to do it. And and when they mm-hmm. look at modernizing, they look at things like serverless, they look at serverless containers uh, and different things like that. So the question is, where do I start? You know, it, yeah, we have a lot of yeah. folks that, that look at it and go, okay, there's a lot of things out here. Where do I start? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the reason we're doing this is we want to help, you know, we want to help people understand this is, these are the choices that you can, that you can make, you know, do I want a Lambda function? Do I want, you know, Fargate or ECS or something like that? Uh, am I using step functions? And, you know, I, I could go through and list a lot of different <laughs> ways of doing things, but mm. the idea is where do I start based on here's, here's my challenge. Where do I start? You know, where's the first place to go? I think it's a great, great call. And I think it really speaks to the fact that there's a bunch of, you know, tools and capabilities and services, which mm. we'll talk about because they're cool to talk about. But yeah. but I think even <laughs> the word serverless is a bit of a um, distraction to some degree in as much as really what we're talking about with a lot of customers. And interesting to me, a lot of business stakeholders is event-driven architecture, like reimagining the systems that we build to better match what happens in business, which is typically events you know a, a customer right. talks to someone or interacts or there's a purchase or there's you know picking a, something from a warehouse or you, know, you name sure. it there's there's events all around us aren't there yeah yeah i, I love this and i'm going to go off here for a second if, if you were had a chance to see the the um keynote that Werner did he talked mm. about the world is asynchronous yes, and, and i yes. love this idea of just the way we watch life in general no matter what happens events happen uh and one of one of the things that we we took from that and it was kind of interesting is you know at AWS when we build products when we build services the idea is regardless of what happens we continue rolling events mm-hmm. happen and we continue mm-hmm. building we handle those in life we handle them and our systems we handle them things like that um, and 
kind of, and so, yeah, I love this idea of event driven architecture and reacting to something that happened rather than constantly pulling, constantly pushing, constantly, you know, all those kinds of things. So, yeah. And, and uh, forcing, forcing people to work on your time frame as well. I mean, it's kind of analogous in a way right. to, you know, if you think about early GUIs, there was a lot of modal windows. Remember modal windows? You know, the yeah. window that would pop up and you could not do anything until you move that window out of the way. And, and you rarely see a modal window these days because they're just like, they're just wrong. Like, why is the computer making me work to its time frame? Yeah, you need to work to my time frame. That's absolutely right. Uh, you know, in reality, in today's generation, uh, you know, I'm an old guy now, I guess. But if a website, if an app, if a whatever you're you're using doesn't work within seconds, if you don't get some kind of response, if we haven't moved on, if I'm locked up, then it's broken. And, yeah, and I'm yeah. trying something else. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You, people want to work in their time frame. Now, one of the challenges of moving to event-driven architectures is not only do you need a different set of sort of thought processes and design approaches, but you need different tools and capabilities and technology choices to, to assist with that. And I, I guess often the challenge is, well, how do I learn all those things? Um, that's really what Service Innovation Day comes into, isn't it? it? Really, It really helps open up a lot of those options. T tell us a little bit about the event. Yeah, so the event is just that we are we are going to come out. We're going to explain, you know, it, it, how do you build? We're going to give examples. Here are the technological choices that you can make, uh, and so we kind of want to want to explain. Here's the options. Here's how you approach different things, especially with event-driven architecture. We find a lot of people, uh, and, and I don't want to go way off, you know, way down the rabbit hole here, but we find people building a lot of stuff into their code that shouldn't be there, right? Things that yeah, already exist, yeah. authentication, caching, throttling, uh, you know, authorization, those kinds of things. And so they, they're, they're doubling down on things that have already been created. Uh, and so what, what we want to do is we want to help folks get away from that, understand the services and what they do, and then understand how to how to plug in and, and really kind of double down on what they work on, their code, their mm. their uh, architecture. I think that's really important because, you know, the, the move towards assembling systems versus building them from whole cloth is really key to moving yeah. quickly. And, and also, I don't know about you, but I, I can't build a scheduler as well as other folks who built schedulers. So why should I build <laughs> a scheduler right. again? You know, that's right. Yeah, I, I, as I always use the I always use authentication as mm. as one is mm. is you know, people sit down and go, you know what? I'm going to write the next great authentic authentication, or I'm going to write my own authentication. <laughs> is that the why? developer equivalent been... of the great American novel? <laughs> It is. And that's exactly right. And de every developer thinks I can do it better, right? And so and they end up wasting their time on the things that have already been built. So yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> so so during this event, we're going to talk about things like AWS Lambda, Amazon ECS mm -hmm. with AWS Fargate, Amazon EventBridge, AWS Step Functions, whole bunch of things. But maybe that's let's right. step back for a moment, EJ, and talk about serverless itself. Like besides the word, which people can get very wrapped up about, mm. what is it actually conveying to people what does it mean what are the, some of the benefits yeah serverless is an interesting word and and it has taken on a life of its own over over the years uh that you know that that it was kind of created or put out there uh it, i've always said if you put 100 people in a room and you ask them to define serverless you get about 103 definitions because people <laughs> will change where we're coming from and this is what we mean by serverless is serverless is an operational model that 
it simplifies the management and scaling of cloud applications, right? And so by shifting the management of the underlying compute resources away from the developer, away from, you know, the kind of the operations part and, and moving it to the cloud provider allows development teams to focus on, like I was saying earlier, writing code, doing the things that matter to them, doing the things that differentiate them from the next one. Uh, and there's a couple tenets we look at when we talk about serverless uh, one is, you know, we handle the scaling up and down, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's automatic scaling. If you need more, we'll scale it up. And and this idea, when we talk about scaling, it's like, oh, that's great. It'll scale up. But what people don't think about is the fact that we'll also scale down. Mm-hmm. And that's this idea of, of paying for what you use, right? So we'll bring it down, uh, scale up as needed and scale down when you're not using it. Uh, and this re- reduces the cost in this pay-as-you-go model. So, so again, there's a reduced cost in not paying for things sitting around doing nothing. The other thing I would throw out uh, is, and you said it earlier when you were talking about you couldn't build the best scheduler or the next best scheduler. We build reliability into this. We handle a lot of things that the developers shouldn't have to do. Like, you know, we offer authorization, authentication, caching, throttling, some of the things I mentioned earlier that the developer can say that reliability is there. I can trust it. It's there. The scalability, the durability, all the illities that count, mm, right? Mm. And I think another really interesting aspect of reliability in the event-based architecture world that, that appeals to me is that, as we talked about earlier, you know, events are happening all the time. They don't stop even if your system does. So even if you muck That's something right. up in your system and it can't process, you can still be caching and buffering all those events so that you can process them when you can again. And I think that's a really important part of sort of not losing the view of all the events that are happening or, or not having to stop your customers from interacting with you if, if, the, if for some reason the system is not operating. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely right. One of the first things when, when we're talking about service, when we're talking about event-driven architecture, is we talk about the idea of, of durability in your system. And and Werner Vogels, our CTO, said everything breaks all the yeah. time. It does. Yeah. Everything will eventually go down. And so while at, at AWS, we build to not go down, we plan to go down, right? We yeah. plan yeah. to have an incident and that we can, that we can uh, handle that. And so one of the, we, I, I love to show the patterns uh, to when you're looking at folks that are looking at these architectures. One of my favorite ones is, is simply, look, I could, I could, you know, throw a bunch of events at you and have a lambda function handle it or or something like that but what if you're what if you put up bad code and, and here's the reality mm. eric johnson is a better architect than than a developer <laughs> so every once in a while he gets bad code up there and the the idea of if my lambda function is going to go bad or something happens a simple architectural change is to throw a queue in front of it i'm going to do mm-hmm. sqs in th- mm-hmm. front of that so when my lambda function goes down and i say when not if because it's gonna <laughs> because it's eric johnson's code then those events are going to pile up in the queue i get the lambda function back up and running i haven't lost any data Correct. and one of the hardest right. things to do to a customer do for a customer is say hey i lost your data trust me go ahead and give it to me again <laughs> yeah, yeah run the transaction say, again <laughs> exactly yes yeah, shoot me your credit card i think we got it right this time and mm-hmm. customers mm-hmm. are not comfortable with that not at all so this is a virtual event so who should attend yeah, so virtual event, uh, one, I would say, it, because it's virtual, anybody in the world, right? I, I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there. It's, it's, we're opening up uh, so that you can watch it from uh, anywhere around the world. So that's the first thing. But as far as who, um, I would start with builders, first of all. 
this is going to be builders showing builders how to build. Uh, we, you know, my team, we are a team of builders. We're all, our, our title is developer advocates. So we advocate for developers, but we're developers. And so our team's going to be showing this as well as others, showing how to build. The, these are the kind of, the, you know, the, the nuts and bolts and the hands-on, what, what do I use? Where does it work best? Architecture, things like that. The second I would look at, is really these these decision makers, the the these the folks that are saying, you know what, my hands may not be on the code all the time, but I am involved in in the architecture, in the proof of concepts, and in the decisions on what we're going to do, what architecture we're going to use. I think it's important for those folks to see this in action as well. Mm. Mm. Well, give us a bit of a sneak peek of some of the the, the sessions we're going to see and some of the speakers that we're going to have. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, we're going to have our keynote by our VP of serverless, Holly Mezrobian. Uh, she's going to be talking about serverless strategy uh, to address your unique modernization needs. Modernization is a big keyword, right? We use this a lot. Uh, we're saying, look, well, not we're saying, customers are saying we yeah. need to get modern. We're, we're running, we're paying lots of money for large legacy systems to run. We need to get those modernized. And and so the first thing is, is Holly will be talking to them. What does that look like? What does that strategy look like to to do these uh, these modernizations? Uh, we're going to have quite a few demonstrations uh, mm. from, you know, and obviously the buzzword and the word we're throwing out, but we're going to show some machine learning and generative AI. Cool. Uh, we're going to show some codeless, uh, well, I say codeless, but low-code architecture, how to build uh, architecture mm -hmm. and, and applications using low-code. We're going to have uh, insights on AWS from AWS service leaders. And this is really cool. We've got some customers coming in like Capital One, who is a leader in serverless, uh, Delta, Delta Airlines, uh, PostNL out of the Netherlands, uh, Smartsheet. These, these are customers that are using serverless every day not just testing Fantastic. it out, not just dipping their toes in the water, but every day. And so they're going to come back with some, you know, like any other technology, there's gotchas, there's there's learning curves, there's different things like that. So these customers are going to come back and say, here's what we did and here's what we felt worked best. So uh, those are some That's of the things. And, then, and often I know a lot of a lot of attendees at these events, they, they, they're their favorite sessions, you know, hearing from others who have done it and saying, hey, here's what I did. That's right. Here's what worked really well. Don't do this. <laughs> you know, That's right. That's the value. Yeah. Th that is the value, you know, and, and they're doing it at scale as well. Uh, well, obviously at AWS, we, we do things at scale, but, uh, you know, it's good to see outside, uh, you know, how customers are approaching. In fact, Capital One is what's considered a, a serverless first company where wow. they build everything wow. new in serverless uh, and if, if it fits. So, Well, that's the question is if, if it fits and I guess this... This event will help you learn to identify that sort of, uh, you know, where does it where does it fit? Because the answer to everything in architecture is, of course, it depends. Um, That's so right. You need, yeah, to, you need yeah. to solve for it depends. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. I, I have said that. I can't tell you how many times, and you know, it depends on what's what's your approach. But that's right. Uh, and sometimes it's not necessarily between serverless and something else, but it's the right serverless, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's talking about you know, I, I, is it going to be containers? Uh, you know, is it going to be a lambda function, or am I going to not have any compute at all? Am I going to mm. just be running step functions? You know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's, there's many ways to solve the problem and really some of the, the drivers here to, behind the, the technology is really about just managing less stuff, being able to build really quickly, yeah. being able to, to build that business logic. You know, even, and I've been in IT for over 30 years now, and even when I started, the main cry from organizations was, we just want to build the specific business logic that's relevant to our business, nothing mm -hmm. else. 
And I think we're closer than ever. (laughs) I I wouldn't say we're there yet, but we're a lot closer. Um, But the other nice thing here is it it, it really cuts back that total cost of ownership, doesn't it? It really really cuts down the work you've got to do to run these systems. It does. It it does a couple of things there. It, it, you know, it cuts the total cost of ownership. Absolutely. And, And you think about, and I think when people approach architecture and applications, they might not, you may not have the total cost of ownership in their head, uh, but you think about, you know, how much time do you spend maintaining a database? How much time do you spend trying to replicate a database? How much time do you spend, you know, building scalable systems and making it so that your architecture can scale across multiple uh, machines and still have the most updated uh, data. Uh, really, honestly, it's what I'm saying is how much time do you wrestle with eventual consistency, mm, right? Mm. Uh, and, and so by, by reducing that TCO or total cost of ownership, we've come in and said, you know what, we'll deal with that eventual consistency in something like DynamoDB. We'll deal with those replications in RDS. We'll deal with all the patching and management, things that that are not critical to your business, but are critical to your security and operational value, but they don't really make you money. If yeah, we can deal yeah. with that and reduce that cost and you can get right to that proof of concept, uh, you know, we talk with serverless developers who are, who are, you know, someone comes to them and says, look, I have this idea to do, you know, A, B, and C, and they can within just a couple of days have a, have a you know, bare minimum, but they can have a working model instead mm-hmm. of having spent mm-hmm. a couple of days, you know, purchasing and, and patching and managing a server. Well, the other nice thing there too is that you know once you've got that working model, it's not a huge lift to make it production ready, and that's the the nice thing. It's not like, well, here's this thing I built on my laptop that if you say, boss, make this work across you know hundreds of thousands or millions of people, um, we'll spin that's up right. a project. It's it's more like, well, let me let me add a little more error handling, let me up some uh, some account limits, and uh, we're good to go. You know, it's it's a totally different yeah. path to production. Yeah, that's that's one of the things when, when I'm talking to new developers is we talk about building to scale from the very first line of code. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, scalability, security, those kinds of things are you know yeah. uh, observability. Uh, probably those <laughs> three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Observ- observability, scalability, and security are often added after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we've got it up and running. We should be observing that. We should be scaling that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so when you teach folks to build it right from the beginning and serverless makes it so easy uh, because, you know, a lot of times we hear, well, you know, worked on my machine doesn't work on that machine. But because serverless is the same architecture, regardless of what environment you're in, uh, it makes it very easy to do that and very easy to scale that. So you, you build scalability from day one. Totally. So, Eric, sounds like it's a, a, a great event. Again, it's a virtual event available to everyone around the globe. There'll be a link in the show notes if you want to sign up, and, and you should. And uh, you'll get to hear more from Eric and others uh, at the time. Hey, Eric, thanks for coming on the show and uh, helping us understand what is coming. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me and looking forward to seeing what we do. Fantastic. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We do love to get your feedback. Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.